You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, the podcast where we take a deeper dive into the latest shows we see, sharing our insights and opinions on the performances, storyline, and everything in between. In today's episode, we'll be discussing New York City Center Encore's production of Jelly's Last Jam. Whether you're unable to catch the show in person or you're looking to expand your thoughts after seeing it, this episode is for you. And as always, we want to give you a heads up that this episode will contain spoilers. So if you're ready to dive into this production, stick around with us. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie, and we're thrilled to be your host for this episode today. So without further ado, let's start the conversation about Jelly's Last Jam. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Half hour. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Today, we're talking about New York City Center Encore's production of Jelly's Last Jam. Jelly's Last Jam, a captivating exploration of the legendary jazz pianist Jelly Roll Morton. Originally brought to life in a 1992 production on Broadway, this production by writer and director George C. Wolfe garnered critical acclaim, boasting eight Tony nominations and three wins. Now visionary director Robert O'Hara takes the helm in a reimagined version of this thought-provoking show. Through vibrant numbers like That's How You Jazz, Jelly's Last Jam delves into Morton's complex legacy and artistic genius, shedding light on the intricate contradictions of his character. Stay tuned as we delve into the purgatorial afterlife world of Jelly Roll Morton and his journey of self-discovery and cultural reckoning. Wow. All right, let's yes. let's start with our bold statement about this piece and then see how that unfolds in our discussion. So I went first last time, you go first this time. Okay. My bold statement on this is I think this is a nearly perfect show and production of this show, and it is simply one of the best things I have seen this year in an, on a New York stage. Great. I couldn't agree more. Bold statement here is that I basically think that this show could easily transfer to Broadway and should transfer to Broadway. It is the sound that we need on Broadway and is currently missing. And it was just each person performing in this show was spectacular. I didn't find any weak links. I found the whole thing to be so flawless and beautiful and stunning and incredible. And I can't wait to talk about it more. (laughs) Let's get into it. I, and I and it's interesting because I I say nearly perfect because I never think a show is perfect. I always think there's something. Of course, and, I, and that's being. And I'm not trying to be hard on. So I just don't think anybody. No human is perfect. Nothing can be perfect. So I think 
things can become nearly perfect. And I think this really hits that mark for me. Um, All right. So get into it. Why? Why do you feel like it was nearly perfect? This I didn't know this show. I knew nothing about it. I went in blind. I knew it was successful in the early 90s. I mean, if you study music, you know who Jelly Roll Morton is. He was an iconic figure in American music at the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. And as they say in the show, he claims that he founded jazz music. You know, and it's and that's very that's up for debate, right? Did did one person discover classical music? Did one person discover rock and roll? It's hard to say. It's definitely pioneers and a group of people at different times or together that start a movement. He certainly did. And his move and his music is incredible. This is his music. And I think what's yeah. brilliant about this is it's lyricized. So there is a lyricist who's brought on to do the lyrics, who is um, Susan Birkenhead does the lyrics here, but this music was Jelly's music. And so we're taking a jukebox musical and a biopic musical, and it doesn't feel like it. And yeah. I say that with so much respect because we're not going in like, this is the life of Cher. This is the life of Donna Summer. Instead, we're saying, this is a real person who wrote this music and we're going to tell the story and we're also going to tell this story kind of dark about his struggles and about his like death and we're going to like end it like that and you're also going to have a great time here like like how many emotions did we feel in those two hours i don't know this is exactly how musical theater should be done it even to the uh, every costume, every dance move, I don't even know. I just think from a concept and a plot perspective, this is the perfect length. It's well cast. It, the audiences are raving. And if, you, if you're listening to this now, hopefully at the end of February, hopefully you know that there's only one more weekend left until early March and you are running to grab any rush ticket you can to sit anywhere in that theater and witness the brilliance of this piece of theater on this stage at City Center Hall. Yeah, that's exactly how people should be looking at this, like running to go see this show easily run to go see it. Because if it doesn't transfer to Broadway or or not, if if this production doesn't transfer to Broadway, hopefully there's going to be some version of this show that revives onto Broadway at some but, point. But I'm going to challenge you on that for a second, because we go see we go see a lot of shows that we sometimes say that about. And if I use the two encore shows we've seen so far in 2024... There's Mm -hmm. a third one to come. We saw Once Upon a Mattress and we said, this should transfer. We saw Jelly's Last Jam and we said, this should transfer. Two of the most different shows you could ever talk about from completely different time periods. And we're both sitting here really impressed with the work. Now, will we sit here and say the same thing in June about Titanic? I hope so because I love that show. But why do we go – what is this new – the City Center Encores is not new. But but the but the out of town tryout for a Broadway show has gone down significantly in the last fifty years. It's expensive. Yes, of course, shows still do out of towns. But is City Center Encores the new out of town tryout? Because your city mm. audiences are seeing it, and it's not always tourists that are going to see City Center Encores. But I guess my question to you is: Do think you on- think that this is a way to get shows like Into the Woods and Parade did transferred? Is this the new way to get shows to a Broadway stage? I hope not. Okay, why? After seeing two productions now, really in the encore space, I am now understanding it a little bit more. And also taking into account that I saw Into the Woods and I saw Parade. Right. So looking at this, I'm lo- I'm seeing and I'm wondering and I'm saying to myself, some of these shows deserve 
a full fleshed out revival musical, not just the concert style that Encores puts on. Mm -hmm. That's not knocking what Encores does because they do a great job, but I don't necessarily think that everything is Broadway ready. And that I think with Into the Woods, it was right time, right place. Like Sondheim passed away. It was like coming out of COVID and let's get Into the Woods up there. Stellar cast, amazing. And then Parade, same thing. Right time, right place. Ben Platt wanted that Tony, wanted to be up on that stage. And it was like, it just worked getting Parade there. And I'm thinking now back to Mattress a little bit. And I'm saying to myself, that feels right for Encores. I don't know if it feels right for Broadway. I feel like mattress kind of is the sudden foster effect here where we're like oh my god she's amazing and she needs to do the role but that deserves a full production not just a concert style now does jellies but i'm gonna say this and why i said what i said in my bold statement here jellies is nearly perfect and could transfer as is because it has that chicago style it has this moment of like he's going to the club. It's beautiful seeing the orchestra around him. It's exactly where it needs to be. People come in and out. The door is everything in this moment here. And it works. And it's something that could turn into like throw in a star here and there, keep the keep the show rolling and going and going and going. Well, totally. And I think that it totally does work the way it is right now. We don't need big clunky scenery for a show like this and moving things flying in and out and projections. We just, everything is working in this nightclub setting. Similar in a way to Chicago, the revival of Chicago kind of works with this like band on stage, cabaret chairs, nightclub setting. Productions of cabaret do the same thing, the bands on stage. So some shows just work like that because of the setting. This one totally does work. I mean, I think it should transfer to Broadway and we need to get audience by the masses to see this because it's just so incredible. And that kind of leads into a little bit about music and genre. I've talked a lot about how I am, I am, I don't understand why Broadway hinges on like when a music trend is happening, every, not everything, but a lot of shows in that current year or season feed off it. For example, there was like this rock and roll movement in the early 2000s with Broadway, where like every score is like rock. And then it was like pop rock. And then we like lost jazz music for a while. And now lately, everything is becoming like bluegrass folksy, and we're seeing so much of that saturated. And instead of one or two shows, it's like so many shows now have this twangy bluegrass country, which is fine. There's a mm-hmm. movement for that right now, and like soft, like alternative country, like pop bluegrass, I guess is the only way to describe that. And then there's also pop infusion, like Six and then Juliet and things like that. We haven't seen original jazz scores in so long. Like so long. And so to see this, I'm like, yes, I'm like it hot. I get it. That was a big old jazz score. We don't see enough of that. And I wonder like when you see something like this, you're like, this music is so good. And it's not just the music, the choreo, the singing, the singing. Oh my gosh, we're going to get into the character the actors in a second but i feel like this is golden age musical theater but it's done right but it's biopic musical theater but it's done right but it's jukebox but it's history it's everything that should be about musical theater that is just done right yes but that's where i think this reimagined version is coming in here i think there's just amount just the right amount of time in between from when jelly's was on in 1993 to now where people 
don't know the show, I mean, I never heard of it until it was announced for Encores, and we we know a ton of theater, so that's interesting in itself. Also, it being this biopic-style jukebox musical, there's so much about his life that was so predated to 1993 that it's kind of lost in the past. I get it. He's jazz. He's great. But... For the modern day, we're not really so invested in the jazz scene anymore. So yeah, I went to school for music business. I know that. We learned about him. But I, if you told me, let's go see Jelly's Last Jam, I would have never thought that this was about his life and that it was going to be here because it was done in such a creative way. You would have thought that this was an original story. Right. And so I think that's an, an, a, I think that's an homage and an honor to Jelly. And then it's also an honor to the art form and the people creating this. And we're not just beating me but over the head with this is jelly, be... but this is, yes. you're not just telling me this was jelly's life. Let me beat you over that. But this was his whole life story. Let me tell you right now. Instead it was like beauty told through music and movement and song. And then also black voices, a black story in American music history that is just so profound and so important. It just does everything for me. It but does where, everything for me. But where do you feel like we got lost in that? in that space of jukebox musicals, not really going this length of being creative. And it's like, let's just tell the timeline version. Oh, I can tell you right now, what has happened with jukebox musicals, not all of them, because a couple of them, and I'm only saying a couple, a couple of them really are great. Why the majority of them come across is because I firmly believe that producers are heavily, capital H, heavily reliant on the songs good enough. So when you use Donna Summer, for example, you say the woman and her music is good enough. What The book is okay. Like when we saw MJ, loved the music, loved the dancing. The book didn't do it for me in MJ. So I'm looking at this but and I'm, I'm gonna like, say okay. Something, I'm going to say something about MJ where I'll still give MJ credit where credit's due. They took a moment in MJ's life where they said, we're going to tell this one span of when he's on tour and we're going to tell that portion of the life. So I'll give the credit where the credit's due there. It's not the wiki, Wikipedia version of MJ's life told in musical form, where some of these other jukebox musicals are doing that. Like, where did someone say, hey, we hit the nail on the head of really not having to be that creative, and we're going to write a pretty pointless book to their life that anyone could Google and find out, and we're just going to play their songs. That, to me, is the Patti Lapone version of, hey, here we go, Las Vegas um show here where we're and that's why i think where we we're imitating be... it's just like a imitation of that person and that's why i think and i want to i want to read something from um, emily white the editorial manager at new york city center interviewed director robert o'hara on this jelly's last jam mm-hmm. and she asked why is jelly's last jam so important in the overall musical theater canon And I want to read you what Robert O'Hara's response was. He said, quote, because it was a Broadway show with a black protagonist that wasn't interested in making audiences comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's about black genius. It examines the light and the dark. It was sexy. It was hilarious. It was incredibly moving, joyful to watch and painful at times. And that is why it meant so much to me, because I had rarely seen that level of excellence. It is profoundly moving to me that I have the ability to do just this little bit of reincarnation. How many people get the chance 30 years after they've seen the original to actually work on a revival of it and to have the ability to communicate with the people who created it? That is a rare gift, I think, end quote. He hits the nail on the head with that. 
Right. It's a story that makes you uncomfortable, uncomfortable. It's sexy, hilarious, light, dark. And it's this black genius creator, musician that we're telling the story. And, and so I'm, that's why I think some jukebox musicals just work really well because it's got to be executed right in the camp. Let's just put the music of so-and-so up on stage and, and, and throw it on the wall and hope it sticks. Because they clear, you know, there's something here in this this style of writing that just is, I think, better than some of the stuff that we're seeing. Because it wasn't like, oh, Jelly's life was so hard. They never made you feel like his life was so hard. It was like he he struggled and he had to get through things, but it was about overcoming, you know, parental forces that were stopping him from going in a certain way and moving there. But like they did it very creatively. And, and when you talk about – he talks so much in the piece about his Creole background, how much of a struggle that was for his grandmother's character, for him identifying as a light-skinned black person, black man or person of color, and then also saying, where do I fit in this world? Where do I fit mm-hmm. in the black world? And then where do I fit in the world of America at the time? And it's fascinating to see that struggle that he had throughout his life with his family and his friends and his career. So one thing I'm going to say, because we were sitting around some people – near us and we heard them talking at intermission and some people even asked us like oh what do you think about this i said oh my god it's amazing and they said i saw this in 1993 and i wasn't blown away by it then so what i'm finding interesting is like this show was nominated for for so many awards it won three tonys amazing but people around us that were sitting there were saying like oh yeah i didn't really get the story or this but then their complete tone changed while watching this production because we heard them us, at intermission they were like yeah, this is amazing talking, and they said to us they're like this is really amazing right i'm like yeah it really is so there's something that this production is doing right that maybe the one in 1993 didn't do maybe it had a clunky set maybe it just took away from the actual text of the book here and now people are listening to it and hearing it and they're saying there is a huge message here as well. Mm-hmm. And I, and I want to kind of then now transfer over a little bit into some of this direction and these characters and the design. We'll be right back. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. I would like to say, first, Robert O'Hara's direction of this is brilliant. The bringing in and out of Billy Porter's character, the honeys and how they floated in and out of this ominous, ghostly presence, the band on stage, the choreo, and choreo, 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 choreo. At one point, I said, oh my gosh, I need to see these choreographers work 10 times more in this space. We have, I love that it was the choreography was by Edgar Godinho. 
hope I'm saying that correctly. And the tap choreographer is Dormicia. So two, there was a tap choreographer and then a choreographer. Brilliant minds working together with Robert to tell this. And then the guest music director, Jason Michael Webb, with the full encores orchestra. I mean, what a team to bring this magic to the stage. I love really good choreo that is set in the right time period, that works with the music, that is entertaining, but that is fun and that makes sense to the score. It makes sense. How many times do we see choreo and we're like, that's over-choreographed? Or we say, that's under-choreographed? Or we say, that's not quite the right style. It doesn't match the music. And then we're seeing this like, nope, this works a thousand percent. Literally, I'm going to say something. You didn't tell me there was going to be tap in this show. Yeah, I did not. (laughs) I mean, I obviously should have realized it's a jazz show, so there Mm. has to be tap. But you didn't tell me there was going to be tap in this show. Oh, it's some of the greatest tap I think we've seen in years on a New York stage. Years. Yeah, like get out of your seat, applaud, standing ovation tap. Come on. And they are doing it in sync. There's soft tap going on behind some of the major tappers. And I'm like, Come on. That is amazing. Yeah. On top of all that, I have to get to this cast because this is just incredible, this cast that is pulled together. So, okay, wait. Before you do that. Yeah. You have to pick one first. That's your, oh, top, f- your top performer in this whole show. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. How do – okay. Top perf- – oh, um, I can't choose two. One first. I can no, choose we'll a, ma- a male and a female. No, one first. Okay. I'm going to just start with Tiffany Mann because what that woman does in this show is out of control insanity. Same. Like, like, listen, she has one number that is brilliantly written and brilliantly placed in the perfect. It's like you, when you crave her to be more on stage, she's in this one number, but I am blown away by her. We saw her be more chill. We've worked with her on some projects before. She's wonderful and amazing. But still, besides our knowing of Tiffany. Yeah. The point is, if you leave that theater and you're still thinking about Tiffany Mann's performance, which I am. Mm, Still. You are the scene stealer, girl. Yep, yep, yep. Amazing. Her vocals are out of this world. I don't understand how she is not in more roles. I love her role in Be More Chill. She is belting her face off, but she mm -hmm. has so much control Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in this number and commands that stage. You don't even think anyone else is on that stage but her. Mm Mm-hmm. Amazing. Let's go on to Nicholas. <laughs> let's go on to Nicholas Christopher, who carries this carries. show. He is brilliant. I know he's coming from Sweeney Todd. He is a leading man. The but, acting, the singing combined, the, the character was fully developed. He is getting angry when he needs to. He is charming and joyful when he needs to. He is carrying that show. And I say that with no disrespect to everyone else because everyone else is carrying it in their own way. But he is jelly and he is mm-hmm. insanely He is talented. jelly. Uh, you would think he is jelly. Yeah. How does he make an unlikable character so likable mm-hmm. is beyond mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. because I felt that you still feel for him even though he kind of is condescending at times and nasty to people at times. And you're like, oh, but you still want to see him succeed, even though you know that this is like a death piece around his life. He is just top notch, the tapping, the singing, the acting. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Let's go on to Joaquina Calacongo. Other. Like, 
this woman is so talented. Like, I, I just, I'm her acting, her one-liners, her singing. She has that beautiful duet with Jelly in the second act that mm-hmm. I'm still thinking about. It was so beautiful, and she is so good at what she does too—a Tony Amazing. Award winner. And just, and she's not in too much of Act One. She really comes in at the end of Act One, and then she's mostly Act Two. But I just, but still, she's casting. another one that like she comes in and she steals it. Her acting and comedic timing in this role is perfect. This is a different role for us seeing her. We saw her in Paradise Square where she is putting her blood, sweat, and tears into that song that she is the complete Mm -hmm. Tony for. We also saw her in Slave Place. So it's like, you know, very very different roles where we got to see acting, we got to see singing. And this, I don't know, there was something about this role for her, though, that she feels like it felt like she owned it. Mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. her role now totally totally and then we move on to some i mean some other characters are billy porter mm-hmm. i mean he is commanding the stage he he owns that role he re- that was the one character that i thought oh here's a character that's almost reinvented for encores in a way that billy brought a new life to this character. i don't see the original but i feel like the way he's dressed the way he acts the way he walks the way he com- he's he's filtered in throughout the set he's there then he's there he's ghostly and he's funny and he's so good and what an important character that is mm-hmm. for this show he is really incredible yeah yeah his role is great i mean he he what he whatever he's in something also completely takes over that role you know his role is kind of very christmas story-esque where he's bringing jelly around to like review his life um do you mean christmas carol did i say christmas story? yeah yeah. (laughs) christmas carol (laughs) different different story but yes totally totally and then i i mean how could we not talk about the i'm so sorry miss leslie uggams we're gonna talk about everyone in this show because that's what we're saying there wasn't there wasn't a weak link in the show leslie comes on that stage and you're like broadway royalty here hello but like music industry royalty leslie uggams has been in you oh my gosh like you, you've seen leslie in everything and everything this woman has worked and worked and worked i actually never thought i'd see her on a stage i didn't see her in anything in the longest time leslie uggams she's singing so well she just stands there and belts out her number what an, what an icon to be up there on that stage you have me thinking about like we watch <laughs> it's coming up soon but leslie every summer with her june is busting out all <laughs> over and on... she and she's been interviewed about that she she <laughs> she's like yep that was what happened that day you know and so but uh i that's just it's it's lovely when you see some really stand-up people but But we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about something here we'll be right back hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's jump back into things. Because we have the original honeys doing this role again. And wow. Well, it's it's Mamie Duncan Gibbs, it's Stephanie Pope Lofgren, and it's Allison M. Williams. I hope I'm saying the three of their names correctly. Um, and I believe, yes. I, it's there 30 years ago they did this. They're 30 years later. They look fantastic. Yeah. They sound fantastic. And there's nothing about age here that bothers me about oh, when they, if were they younger 30 years ago doing it and now they're older. The, the characters still work. They're these ghostly spirits that kind of are in and out of the piece. They are needed. Billy Porter's characters need it. But these three women, oh my gosh, stunning. Like, could you imagine playing a role in 30 years later, 30 years later being asked to play it again and like you just kill it? And they're but they're also like breathing such nostalgia into the show of like, we were here, we did this, and mm-hmm. we're and we're also being part of this new version of this and they they look amazing yep yep amazing. i mean there's some supporting characters too i, I hear like we can go on and on and on but i mean these these it was brilliantly cast and then i will say i will end with the ensemble yeah and also we're going to talk the about ensemble our, <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about our favorite ensemble boy currently raymond baynard who your eyes go to that man anytime he, he's, he's on the stage. He's a brilliant dancer. He's Amazing. a brilliant performer. He's in so many shows. He's we saw him in working. AMJ. We saw him at Gatsby at Paper Mill. We are seeing him in this. And your eyes immediately go to him. He makes dancing look so effortless. Mm-hmm. And this whole ensemble. And I love seeing a big, full ensemble of a ton of people up there. You know, a lot of times Broadway's doing the, like, you know, six women, six male ensemble just for numbers. This was... Full and oh, I I don't know. I wish I could go back. I want to go back so bad. <laughs> just talking about it. This was so good. It's exactly yeah. what City Center is. It's exactly what New York is. We were in the lobby before the show, and you know, talking a little bit about our experience. We saw so a few people that we knew and just familiar faces and New Yorkers and friends and people that work in the industry and just it's just City Center is like this home where mm-hmm. the of course tourists go, but it's not quite like the tourism that you're seeing at the Lion King, you know. So it's like yeah. or 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 uh, Aladdin or Book of Mormon or something like that. So you're here and you're like, it's just, it's only two weekends. So everyone's running to move their schedules to get to one of these shows because it's only, it's high quality performance in two weekends. And I hope this transfers. I really do. It has this amazing cast. It, the whole show, like you could sit there and watch it over and over again, which is why I'm like, this could totally move to Broadway. And the one thing we'll talk about here on, in terms of scenic design, there was some great lighting moments and the door is everything in this piece. It's like, it's so simple, but it means so much to the actual text of this show, which is why I think this could work going straight to Broadway and people wouldn't be mad about it. The door symbolizes so much. It's the entrance and exits of his life. It's mm-hmm. the entrance and exits of literal cabaret nightclubs. It's his exit in his death at the end to playing which, the piano up there. From and a I, director's I, choice. Brilliant. Brilliant. And I, I teared up. I found it mm-hmm. so emotionally moving at the end. I just found the whole thing to be like this gripping, tragic, but but also he was free of all his difficulties and his struggles mm-hmm. and he was passed on and in heaven playing the piano without these issues of 
relationships and 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 racism and all the things he was dealing with and and, and family and friends and the industry and uh it's just it's brilliant it's a brilliant staging i just i hope we see more of this i really do i'm like i'm like city center please come on like get get something revived up here especially this please mm-hmm. i was really blown away by this so yeah Oh my gosh. Wow. That flew by. We're almost there out of time here. There it is. <laughs> did we Fi- like the show? <laughs> yeah, I think we did. I think we liked the show. <laughs> final, give us our final thoughts, Jeff, on New York City Center Encore's Jelly's Last Jam. Go. There's no other thoughts. Just go. That's it. <laughs> it was brilliant. I loved every second of it. I hope it transfers and I hope people go see it. If you're listening to this, you have until March 3rd, I think, is when it's playing. So mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant production in every aspect and just, oh. Amazing. Yes. There we go. Well, that does wrap up our discussion of the episode today. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into Jelly's Last Jam. The show is playing at New York City Center. We will share the link in our description with ticket information, uh, and you can go check it out before it closes. And don't forget, we do want to hear from you. So continue the conversation with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on Jelly's Last Jam. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review. Your feedback helps us bring more theater to you. And remember, you can listen to our past episodes and stay tuned for upcoming ones as well. Until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta for now. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.